This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. This is the Blitz 1170. All right, it's 203 here on the Blitz 1170. Thanks, Ugly Kid Joe, for bringing us back in. My name is Jeremy Poplin. That is Matt Hubbard. Let's hit up the hotline and welcome a gentleman that is in the land of Kansas City. And that is one Eli Letterman joining us now here on the Blitz 1170. What's up, Eli? How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Currently somewhere in between. Oh, uh, between. City and Kansas City. <laughs> uh, but hopefully soon to be in Kansas City and uh, on hand for a whole lot of hoops. Ah, uh, yes. A couple days. Indeed. We'll get into hoops here in a moment, but I would be remiss if I did not ask you about uh, your story on the Regents approving the $175 million for the ops facility, all part of almost $400 million in athletic facilities upgrades. So, um, listen, I, I phrased it this way. You've been on the beat a year now. Uh, you've seen the drive and every single last thing that Brent Venables has said about what it takes to be not just a one-time winner, but a consistent winner when you move into the SEC. Because SEC status means something. And this is more than just a, hey, we have to impress people, which is part of it, but it, it goes down to the core belief of what Brent Venables told them the minute that he got his job, which is we got a lot of work to do. And some people looked at that and said, man, but we're awesome. We're Oklahoma. Yeah, but you're not quite from a facility standpoint and also ops standpoint where you need to be to compete year to year in that, in that league. And so far, Eli, the university has not shied away from any of that. And we were told that, that Brent Venables got that confirmation that they're going to be bullish on all of this. And here we are, $390 million approved later with what was released earlier this week. Yeah, I mean, the, the figure there, $400 million, is pretty staggering. That'll be spread across all of athletics. But, you know, I think with Brent Venables, if you want to look at kind of the interaction there and, and talk about maybe some faith in him and his staff, you'd probably look at first at the – uh, the contract changes that, that Brent Venable's staff uh, received that were approved yesterday. Just about everybody on the staff uh, got an extra year on their deal. Uh, a couple of uh, compensation raises down the line. And uh, and now that pool, that coaching pool, sits somewhere just beneath uh, $8 million. I think it was UPOP who on Twitter you know, put out, that's really only so far off from where Alabama is. Like yeah. Two, five or something like that. Yeah. Um, so as it relates to Brent Venables, I think that's where your mind goes yesterday with that Board of Regents meeting. And you're exactly right that the things he pointed out and that Porter Moser and Jenny Baranchek, I think, have pointed out, and Lloyd Noble Center is kind of its own uh, conversation in this. But all, all the facilities, as the head of the SEC, upgrading was always going to have to be a part of this. And that is, I think, what, you know, it wasn't directly acknowledged yesterday. Joe Harris did say that uh, it's nice having those dates now. They know when they're going to the SEC in 2024. But 
at least $390 million that's going to be, you know, a lot of it tied to football, but is going to impact, I, I think, upwards of 13 programs on campus is all about that incremental improvement, those upgrades and expansions that are geared toward the SEC and are geared toward competing uh, nationally and being up there with the very best. When they only opened the Switzer Center less than five years ago, and I'm sure it's perfectly functioning uh, and is a wonderful facility that they plan to use for other things now, but they're already now, five years later, we're in the, you know, have the, the parts moving for $175 million football specific operations facility. That was the big line item in this whole approval. And and in that rate, you're just talking about keeping up and, and staying on par and staying at the very front line of you know, the cutting edge of what programs are doing nationally so you can remain competitive. And obviously that SEC move hangs over all of it. And it's why you're seeing softball, baseball, tennis, uh, gymnastics, indoor track, and, and Lloydville Center all getting touch-ups and renovations here all in that approved money because this is OU being proactive about staying ahead uh, of maybe it's SEC competition or keeping pace, but really trying to stay ahead of the rest of the country. Well, listen, if you're going to proclaim yourself, and we're all in agreement here that Oklahoma is one of the blue bloods when it comes to, to college football, but it's one thing to proclaim yourself that and have other people speaking into it, existence rather than just someone being able to step foot on your campus and going, oh, okay, you're a blue blood and getting it from the first time that they step foot on campus. You can only talk about it so much. It comes down to you have to put your money where your mouth is. I heard Al earlier today basically ask the question of when is enough enough? And in the world of college athletics, never. There's never enough. There's never going to be an end to this. It keeps going and going and going. Your example of $160 million in 2018 is the prime example of that. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if 10 or 15 years down the road from now we're talking about no, more significant improvements in a large dollar figure. There's no end in sight. This is the business and world of collegiate athletics that we're all a part of. You're exactly right. I mean, there's a whole separate debate about that amount of money, $175 million, you know, it, and, and that being worthwhile for, for what it's worth. Or, you know, that, you spending that kind of money on all this is probably going to be more in the future. But if we are talk, having a conversation about Oklahoma remaining on the cutting edge and of where major college football and major college, college athletics is heading, that is the reality, like it or not. And, and so the, the alternative to, to what OU is doing is to sit back and get passed by. And, and we do know that you know, the money is coming in. They contributed uh, something close to a third in, in terms of fundraising, of a record fundraising year, just the athletic side, at OU uh, this past year. They have this SEC money coming in. There's that is a big part of why that move was being made in the first place was to uh, bring more money in and, and to finance projects that take them to the next level like this. And so I think you know this new facility in a, in however many years isn't public timeline yet, uh, and who knows how long it'll be before that thing is is deemed obsolete or, or in need of a replacement. <laughs> but you're exactly right. That's where we're headed. Uh, and I mean, shoot, even if you really want to dive in, you know, you think about, you've got Porter Moser on Monday. Uh, I think rightly so, he is consistent with his message saying we need a new venue. They're about to pour about $10 million in the new team suite at Lloyd Noble Center. Yeah. So that's uh, exactly where we're headed. Porter went, yeah, that's great, but. <laughs> yeah, 10 million yeah. is great, but. And he's he's right. Like, I've grown up here. They've They've done as much as they can with Lloyd Noble, but it's. It, they've gone as far as they can go, and it's been a talking point for for a long time now about a new basketball arena 
And it sounds like, Eli, that everyone behind the scenes with Porter is kind of on the same page with him. And Josie even made kind of some comments about that, correct, in terms of, yeah, we're doing this now uh, to Lloyd Noba, but we know what ultimately the grand plan is, is to, to try to get a new arena at some point down the road. Yeah, this is, you know, going maybe the question came to him, but he was asked, you know, $9.5 million for innovations here, but we know you want to move. But this is probably the most pointed he's been, I think, in, in basically just flatly saying, my mind is only on a new, a new and improved venue. Now, you know, he's been at time, you know, he acknowledged the survey that is related to that whole big development by 35 in December, but really just said, you know, that's the direction I hope we're moving. This was a pretty direct call that, that the further commitment is needed. Uh, and then Joe Castiglione yesterday kind of outlined the simultaneous effort. They're, they are exploring what to do. And you're right, this will be a conversation and has been and will remain one until something is in the works. But, you know, there, there is this development that they are studying and they put out the survey for that's going to be a big entertainment district. And that would be uh, a quote unquote off campus arena. And the other thing they're apparently probing is, is just what they could do to Lloyd Noble Center. They, they have an architect uh, in dreaming up, I guess, what could be done with that arena. And uh, I know this has been a, a decades-long issue, so I don't think, uh, you know, a whole lot of news coming out of that. But, but the thing Josie said is that come June, or about then, which is that next uh, Board of Regents meeting, there could be progress there, at least some results on those surveys. Maybe they're headed in that direction. Porter knows or hopes they are. Okay. Might I suggest dynamite? Hashtag just saying to uh, <laughs> to Lloyd Noble Center. Uh, it served its purpose, man. It, it has. From the day that it was opened in 75, it's just time. Last thing on this before we get to basketball is uh, they broke ground on a uh, low softball complex. Did they break ground on another item as well, Eli, on campus? Uh, unless I've missed something on my – I apparently still thorough reporting. I okay. don't believe so, but the, the, probably the biggest thing on there, I'd say, we've known about the Love Steel development. We know that's happening. Ground isn't broken there. But that $45 million for baseball would indicate that the, the fundraising they set out for, for facilities and expansion and improvements at, at Eldale Mitchell Park are, have come. Whatever yes. funding they needed. I mean, it's, it's worth stressing with all this. It's all a combination of private re-donated uh, and, and athletic department funds, and, and so they've clearly got what they need for baseball and seemingly just about everything else. Yeah, because it went, what, the initial was 30, and then we saw the other day it was yeah. like 45. So, yeah, things are, are looking good in donation land. Okay, I called OU basketball by far maybe one of the biggest wild cards in the entire country. Uh, we've seen them beat the likes of TCU, various other opponents play really close games in conference play. I don't know what to expect tonight at all out of the Sooners. It could be a night in which they're terrible. It could be a night in which they play really, really good basketball, which would be detrimental to OSU's opportunities to make the tournament if they lose tonight. I know OU would really like to stick a dagger in OSU's basketball season this evening if they could, but how do we even begin to understand which Oklahoma team is going to show up tonight, Eli? I mean, I'd start, you know, on the whole by saying your guess is as good as mine. You know, is this the team that, that beat Alabama or Kansas State or TCU, or is it the one we've we've seen a bit more of, which is, has come up short so often in Big 12 play? I mean, I, I think you'll see fight and belief. You wouldn't have gotten wins over uh, Iowa State and TCU in the final week and a half of the season if, if that wasn't still present. So this team is still 
fighting, there's belief. I think Porter Moser has done a really commendable job there, but an impressive job of keeping this group fighting to the end. But, you know, Oklahoma State has proven twice now to be a really unfortunate matchup for the Sooners. I mean, the first game they played in Stillwater, Avery Anderson locked up Grant Sherfield in the second half. Uh, and then Grant Sherfield didn't fare a whole lot better on February 1st in Norman. Obviously, Avery Anderson, that was a, a wrist injury, and, and maybe that's uh, an avenue for the Sooners guards to do more than they have against Oklahoma State so far. Uh, but the other thing, I, I think back to February 1st, that night in Norman, the, the house was packed, and OSU came in and, and really bullied Oklahoma inside. And Porter, Porter Moser said, we had no answer for Musa Cisse and Caleb Boone. And I know those guys have, have been up and down uh, in terms of their performances, but when Oklahoma State is playing big, long, and athletic, they seemingly just have everything they need to overwhelm the Sooners. And we've seen it twice. So tonight's going to be uh, going to have to be a flip the script. They can't they can't follow the script of, of the last two meetings that the Sooners want to stick around KC and at least get started on what would be a very unlikely run. But I think that run they would need uh, to even have a shot in the tournament bid. It's got to start tonight. Yeah, and to look at a program that has, what, six quad one wins that's right there that still finished below 500 overall, um, just a very weird scenario. And I guess the good thing, even from Oklahoma State's perspective, is that Oklahoma may not qualify as a quad one win, but it's a quad two win and then kind of set the stage potentially for uh, getting an at-large bid if you can find a way to get past Texas at this point. It's just there, there's a ton on the light. Uh, on the line tonight for a seven versus 10 matchup on a Wednesday night uh, in, in Kansas city at the big 12 tournament. There really is in Oklahoma state. The stakes are a lot clearer. Uh, they've, they've probably had their work cut out for them, but that, that work begins with taking care of a, you know, an in-state rival, which, which maybe level things, but given the stakes for them and the way they played Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma twice this season, you know, should be a positive starting point for them, or they should go in feeling that way. But they probably they're going to need, you know, maybe that second win against Texas and more beyond it. For Oklahoma, win tonight, and uh, you know, we're still talking about. It. I've said it for a while on your show, and since it's remained true for a while, that Oklahoma hasn't had consecutive wins since mid-December. But if they win tonight, you at least keep it up in the air and keep this dream of, you know, a, a run to the to the Big 12 tournament title, which uh, seems far-fetched. And it's probably their only avenue to the NCAA tournament. But Porter Moser has maintained, you know, as long as there's games in front of me and, and opportunities in front of us, he's going to keep this team going. So the stakes are exceptionally high, as you say, for a 7-10 game. No doubt. And as what Holcomb told us yesterday um, is officially known Wednesday night as the Trent Johnson, uh, Trent Johnson Invitational, the old uh, TCU coach, because he was always in these early games on a Wednesday uh, a little harsh there on, on Trent, but you know what? Sometimes the, the truth is harsh at times. So the question that we've had so far, and I know that you've, you've seen this, um, how many of the items on the Big 12 food menu list are you going to cross off this weekend? Are you going to be the guinea pig for us here on the Blitz 1170 as to which items are tempting enough for you to at least try? Well, here's what I'll say first and foremost. In Kansas City, I'll be shouldering it all for the Tulsa world. We've got OS, the two OSU teams and the two OU teams. As long as they're there, I'll be there covering them. So I've got to be careful. I can't have a bad Wabash and get taken out night one. That is not um, not going to be acceptable and won't work. So okay. I've got to really be careful here. I've got to really be careful. I, and I probably got to study this menu a bit more. What jumps out to you? Give me some of the, the highlights. All right, bro, I'm telling you. 
if if you know that your stay is going to be extended in Kansas City, then do not start with the Bob Bash dog. Like you just can't. That thing looks like well, diarrhea on a bun is the only way that I would know how to describe it. It is it is not great. So if you're gonna if you're gonna just dip your toe in the pool in the pool, I might go with the I don't know, the the pork tenderloin sandwich that's supposed to be from Iowa State and just call it safe. Now if Maybe you're headed out the door and you want to risk it and try one of these that uh, does not look tempting. Like, for instance, the TCU tater tots that has the cheese on it. And I kid you not what looked like Lincoln Riley's brisket, that it was the color of black that looked like it had no tenderness whatsoever chopped up on top of it. You go ahead if you feel like eating a, a spare tire on top of tater tots. Uh, and then the other one, Matt, what was the other one that did not look tempting at all? The burger looked like a hockey puck. So yeah. if you want to play it safe, but also eat a hockey puck. <laughs> yeah, the hockey puck burger uh, that's supposed to represent Lubbock did not look delicious either. So it did have onion I mean, rings up on and it. Down here, that, uh, that West Virginia Mountaineer roll looks all right. That's pepperoni and mozzarella cheese. Yeah, because that's about as basic as you can get. That's like safe. <laughs> it's hard to mess it up. <laughs> Guys, like we said, we're avoiding like you know disaster here. You got to play it. Safe. <laughs> That's what we're looking for. Well, dude, uh, report back on anything that you at least I find will. tempting, and let me know how uh, the Fat Joe concert and also DJ Diesel goes uh, with your experience up there in Kansas City and a much cooler, younger, and hipper conference that Brett Yormark has put together for us. They delivered on that. Uh, pulling her all the way back with Bad Joe. I'm actually very excited about him. Younger, <laughs> hipper, cooler. There we go. Indeed, indeed. Eli, I appreciate it, man. Safe travels, and we'll check in again soon. All right, that's Eli Letterman joining us here on the Blitz 1170. All right, it's 220. Take a timeout. Come back. Don't forget tomorrow on the road, road show with our good friends from Coors Light. It's March hoops season right here on the Blitz 1170. Come hang out in Owasso. All day basketball tomorrow from the Big 12. This is a magical time of the year. Even if you're not a big college basketball fan, maybe you're out getting your gamble on. I don't know. Maybe you just want to come out and have a couple of nice cold beers. And you can do that with us, Blitz 1170 and Coors Light. And while you're there, why not just take your little phone and scan a QR code? And when you do that, you're entered to win a contest to head to Kansas City, right where Eli's at for the Midwest Regional at the T-Mobile Center. It's tickets. It's a three-night hotel stay, and it's spending cash right in your pocket. Oh, yeah, and some Coors Light gear, and we're giving away Coors Light coolers at each of our locations. Tomorrow's the first one up. It is at Roosters, 86th Street North there in Owasso. Friday, we're at O'Brien's, 101st and Sheridan. Those are the first opportunities that you have to get signed up to win that trip to Kansas City from Coors Light and the Blitz 1170. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.